Thanks for tuning in and welcome to Same As It Ever Was, where we literally don't know what we're going to talk about. Hey there, buddy. What are you doing? What's up there, brother? <laughs> well, you know, it's a steamy Monday here in the old coin tree space. <laughs> oh, is that, is, what's the official tree of? Of the state of Maine? Yeah. The white pine. The white pine. The white pine, yes. Uh, Did they make baseball bats out of that? Probably. Probably. Uh, well, you know, back in the day, this is this oh, is a, l- a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of, you know, Maine state history here. Um one that that for years in the age of in the age of sale. Uh, white yeah. pine trees were highly sought after uh, to serve to, to fashion into the masts of uh, sailing ships, particularly for the Queen's Navy back when we were still part of the Empire. Um, yeah, the British Navy actually used to come up to Maine and seek out these ridiculously tall white pines. Uh, because they they grow incredibly straight, um, and supposedly they made great freaking masts for these ships. Um, it's interesting too because the the next town over from where I live, over in Bath, where they have Bath Ironworks, uh, there's actually a, a memorial thing that's set up, kind of like part of the I think it's the Maine Maritime Museum or something like that. Um, they have this metal frame that's there and the, it's just the stern and the bow, but they are replicas of what was, what was the world's largest wooden sailing ship ever built. And it was built over in Bath. It was, I can't remember what the dimensions of this thing were, but they were absolutely ridiculous. It was freaking huge, you know? Um, so yeah, no, that's the, uh, yeah, the the Texas is the mesquite tree. It makes great barbecue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does. I wonder, I wonder, like, what what kind of uh, consortium do they make when deciding these things? Like who, like, and then why did we decide? Like, you know, was it like, well, they have a state tree, state bird, state song, state flower? We, I guess, we better. Well, I just think that it's interesting because, you know, I think that I think that it's one of those things like so many other things that become this ridiculous function, particularly of local government, state government uh, and even, you know, the federal government, whatever uh, these things that that government and politicians get themselves concerned about. Um, because I know that in the state of Maine, I'm sure it's the same thing with other states. These things, I think, are, are, are in order to become official, it has to be declared essentially by an act of the state government. You know, it has to be declared as the official state whatever, which means that your taxpayer dollars are going into people at the state level having these you know, we debates. have to do research. Yes, like we have to, you know, 
Well, I mean, we, we, you know, we can't just be arbitrary in this decision. I mean, we have to, you know, we have to, you know, we have to, to find people who can research this stuff and study we need it. And, contractors. Right, exactly. We need to find, I mean, and it needs to be Biology. It needs to be validated. You know, these things need to be validated somehow. And then they, you know, spend their time voting on it uh, at state. Agriculture. Dude, a couple, a couple of years ago, the big, a couple of years ago. College. Say what? We'll pay the college. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, the, a couple of years ago, it was the big debate here in the state of Maine was what is the state going to decide is the official dessert of the state of Maine? Yes. Wasn't it something like a something weird, right? We talked. Well, about- it was it was because you and I have talked about this before. It was a choice between uh, blueberry pie or. Or whoopie pies. It was the whoopie pie. That's right. I, yeah. Yes. I, yeah. And whoopie pies won. Which and, and ours, ours is something lame like pecan. Pecan pie. Uh, I mean, if it wasn't if it was if it wasn't pecan pie, then what would you say it should be? From the state of Texas. Fried Dr. Pepper. Fried <laughs> Dr. Pepper. <laughs> it's always a hit at the state fair. I mean, come on. Deep deep fried <laughs> banana and peanut butter sandwiches. Oh. I, I don't know. I mean, like I say, I just think that it's, to me, when I think of Maine, first of all, I, I mean, blueberries are such a huge agricultural industry in the state of Maine. Did not know that. And it, oh man, like, I've seen some of this footage before of these blueberry fields, especially up in the northern part of the state. And it's just incredible. When you see, like, an aerial view of it, and these fields just are like purple you know the the color of the berries and what the farmers do every i don't know if it's every off season or they rotate it somehow but they have their tractors and the tractors have these huge flamethrowers that are attached to the back and they drive the tractors through the burn the bushes Wow. Because it it makes the, I guess in the somehow this actually helps the uh, helps the plants to become stronger. It helps to fertilize the the soil, and the plants actually get stronger by doing this. Right. Uh, but when you when you dude when you see it, it's like oh my god, dude! This is like what do they call that shit? Greek fire. You know what I'm talking about? I don't you know. know you're talking about your Greek fire. Greek fire. You're a sailor. You should know about this. Greek fire. I know this is the factotum. Factotum stepping in here. Okay, yeah. I'm donning. I'm donning the official cap. You know. My is... Okay. No. Greek fire was this was this weapon that supposedly, obviously, was invented by the Greeks. And what it was, and this is in the age of antiquity. Uh, that they would mount this thing on like the bow of their war and when they would go into battle they would take this and it would this thing somehow they would pump it and it would shoot out this super caustic material of, of ages of empire yes you probably know from that yeah and it would spit this stuff out like just tons of it all over the uh, the enemy's ships and as it was coming out of the Greek it was like a cannon looking thing 
at, there was a flame on it so that as this stuff came out, it just shot this huge burst of flaming material all over I these enemy ships. Was, uh, I, I believe it was invented by a warsmith named Testicles. Test. <laughs> a wrathful individual, a wrathful individual, Testicles. <laughs> Testicles. <laughs> And his assistant, Pubicles. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So there you go. See, we're learning all sorts of new things. But a whoopie pie, dude. What the hell is so distinctive about a freaking whoopie pie? I don't get Honestly, that. I, I do describe the whoopie pie right now. It's like it, it, the whoopie pie is nothing than essentially imagine... You remember the episode of Seinfeld where they decide to start a start a restaurant called Top of the Muffin? No, you don't remember this. That that no. that uh, Elaine and and the and the cohort there they decide that the best part of the muffin is the top of the muffin. So they decide this is a great idea. We'll start a restaurant where we'll just sell the top of the muffin. But then they're like, well, what are we going to do with the rest of the muffin? You know, like, well, we can donate them. We'll donate the, the bottoms to like, uh, or the stumps to like a, a homeless shelter, like a food kitchen. So they do this, and all of a sudden, the people from the food kitchen furious because they're like, Who do you think you are? What do you think that homeless people aren't, that the homeless people don't deserve to get the whole muffin? All you're going to do is give them the stumps. Like they think they're doing a good thing, you know? And I have to admit, the best part of the muffin is the top of the muffin. We all know this, right? Which is one of the reasons that, me personally, I think Seinfeld is genius work. Because everything they're talking about, you're like, yep, that's true. Um, but imagine the top of the muffin, but it's, made, but it's like chocolate cake. You okay. know? And that's a sandwich with one on the top and one on the bottom. And in the middle of it, it's like this frosting material. Oh, you know? okay. all right. Uh, yeah. All right. I was thinking there's actual pie. No, 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 no. It's just, it's like a, they, you see it at the store. It's wrapped in freaking saran wrap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I know exactly what you're talking about now. You know, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, what the fuck is so special about a damn, you know, whoopie pie? I mean, you can get whoopie. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I know you can get blueberry pie other places too. But still, I'm like, there's nothing that says, when you look at a, when I look at a whoopie pie, I'm not like, ooh, man, that makes me think of home. Like, no. <laughs> are Mainers known for whoopie pie? Like, no, me, I don't. I don't know. Aren't can't you get them like anywhere? Right. I would think that if you're going to be, it's the thing that represents your state. That's my whole point, and I don't see anything about that. Like, oh, yes. you go to Maine to do that. Like that's, that's what why I'm saying. Gotta... That's what I'm saying. That would be like, I don't. I mean, obviously, you say lobster. You think Maine, right? Okay, dessert in Maine. Whoopie pie. What? <laughs> no, I don't know. That's not a thing. I don't think that's a thing. So anyway, you know, I, and I like pecan pie, you know. I mean, I think that pie to me is very Southern. It's a very Southern thing. Yes. I mean, I don't know, like apple crisp or something you know that to me is like new england boston cream pie obviously new england 
Obviously. Yeah. Obviously. But you'd think. <laughs> you'd think. Oh, I'll tell you one that totally makes me think of a certain place. What about shoe fly pie? Never had it. You've never had shoe fly pie? Oh, Jeremy. I'm gonna post I'm gonna post uh I'm gonna post a link. It's- it's. I know it's uh, pencil. Pennsylvania. Oh, it's totally. It's it's totally a Pennsylvania Dutch thing. It's right, like but a, never had it. And my wife's from Pennsylvania. Oh my god, dude. She's and she has. She's never had it. She's never had shoe fly pie. Okay, oh, first. it's so good, dude. It's so good. I mean, it, they've been scrapple. Oh, I know that's and that too. I mean, it's not dessert, but God, that stuff's delicious too. I love it. You like scrapple? You a fan? No. No. Yep. You tried it, yes. Yeah. Not you don't you don't like it? Nope. Well fried up and crispy. All of those <laughs> all, all, all those all those pork organs that have been pureed, you know, with like you know with uh barley or whatever the fuck they use. I don't know, they use some sort of you know, like it's not wheat. I don't know, it's gotta be <laughs> barley or something. <laughs> a filler. Something. It's got a binding agent. It's got to have something to keep it together. You bite and it's in a big old loaf. You slice it up and fry it up and have it with like eggs. Oh man, that shit is good. So, See, I'm I'm lucky. My my mother was from Pennsylvania, so we always used to enjoy all this stuff from Pennsylvania. And my dad was from New England, so you know we always enjoyed New England stuff too. So uh, you've been watching any of the Olympics, dude? What's her name? Simone uh, freaking is it Biles? Biles, dude. Unfortunately, yes. Biles. I was watching a video of her. We wa- we watched some of this last night, but I was watching the video right before we started the show. That girl is like a real life. She has like superpowers. I mean, some of she's doing floor routine stuff, and some of these, you know, things that she's doing. Her um, these elements. I'm like, what in the? How does this girl bounce herself up? She's like 15 feet in the air. Well, and and that's the thing is like, they're saying that some of the scoring, because they don't know how to like, they've never seen it before. Like, how the fuck do we score this? Yeah. Like, and and then where the where do they get? Like, I, I mean, I get some some of them are like. Uh, named after the people who first did them. Right. Like, she does one called the Yurchinko. Oh, uh, okay. Right? Yeah. Which is, a woman has never done, a, like, a double Yurchinko as, like, a pike. Right. Right? And then she's doing that. But, like, you know, what if you had a bad last name? Like, like she's going to have moves named Oh, you're doing the Biles. Well, she, d- Jeremy, <laughs> she, Jer- dude, Jeremy, she already does. She literally, they were saying last night that she's got, it's like five different moves, like five different elements that she does that are now named after her. And she's still competing. That's insane. I mean, that's like you show up and they're, you know, they show up and it's like, you know, you're still competing and they're like, oh yeah, that's right. You've got that move. Anybody else here doing the Wallace? Anybody else here doing the Bastillos? You know, yeah, so a, a double Bastille. Can she lose? Oh, I think she like, can. I mean, I know she can lose, but I'm just saying, like, how do you, how do you, like, rate someone, like, there's literally moves named after this person. Well, I, you know, I, I agree. 
But I will say that after watching, you know, watching her performance yesterday, she wasn't happy with it. She didn't have a great day yesterday. And that was just qualifying for the for the uh, team competition. But yeah, I mean, there were that floor routine that she did where she stepped complete. She she went completely off of the floor, yeah, had stepped you- completely out of it and then had to step back in. I mean, that's the kind of, I mean, I think that honestly, when we talk about, you know, could she lose? Of course, all it takes is a bad day. You could be the most incredible freaking whatever. All it takes is one bad day. And guess what? Because it's a snapshot, you know? I mean, that's all you get. I, I mean, the uh, perfect example of this was um, the, what do they call it? The vault. You know, they're running down and they bounce off this thing and they got to do their twists and turns, whatever. And I watched, I think it was all of the girls from the U.S. team who go, you, they give you two tries to do the same thing. And again, Biles on her first attempt went up, you know, went up, flipped upside down, bounced off this thing and landed almost like halfway off of the mat that you're supposed to land on. And I mean, these other girls that were part of the team went and did their stuff. And f- at least one of them, some little blonde girl i don't know her name is but she freaking nailed it both both of them i was like god dang dude you know like barely a little hop at the end or anything i mean the other thing that i don't understand about the the whole just we're talking about gymnastics and you know rush the country russia got busted for their their entire olympic program cheating, but yet there's the ROC, the Russian Olympic Committee group of people that are still able, because they're not representing their country, they're just representing this committee that are still able right. to participate. Right. I don't know. Well, I don't think that was the I don't think that was the spirit of the ban. The spirit what do you mean? Like to be able to go being banned from the Olympics. And then now, oh, they have to- oh, 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 well, I mean, but I think that it's, I think that really that's it, that in a way is almost more of a political thing. Yeah. I mean, I think the only reason that the only reason that the Russian, that, that Russia is not officially participating is purely because the Russian government is basically, you know, is basically giving the hand to the International Olympic Committee. They're like, okay, well, if, you know, if you're going to try to, because they're obviously in in true Russian fashion, you know, they're somehow claiming that they're being treated unfairly, you know, that they're that they're you know, that their athletes were being singled out and that they were being accused of things that they didn't really do and all the rest. And it's all a bunch of bullshit, dude. It's I mean, we were I was watching. You ever watch this show? Um, oh, Mysteries of the Abandon. No. Um. It's on Discovery, I think. And they go all around the world to these different places that, you know, facilities, factories, prisons, you know, cities, you know, whatever, that have been for one reason or another completely abandoned by people. So what's there is now just being left to Mother Nature. Yeah. Um. And one of the places that they went to in this episode I was watching the other day was this underground 
it was a a, a subterranean uh, athletic facility that had been built by the East Germans. Mm. Um, and because, you know, the, the back when Germany was divided, the East Germans, they prided themselves on being like the best communists. They were so proud of this. And of course, when it came to Olympic competition, I mean, aside from the superpowers of the United States and Russia, there were more East Germans that were meddling than any other country aside from the superpowers of any country in the world. Um, and eventually what happened was that the International Olympic Committee, because other countries started to complain about this, because everybody knew that the East Germans were juicing their freaking athletes. Everybody knew it. I mean, I've heard stories from people who were competing back in like the 70s and even up into the 80s talking about you know, you'd get these, you get like female East Germans who would show up to these Olympic competitions for you know, whatever, who had facial hair. Mm-hmm. Literally, they had, they had to shave because they were being so juiced with testosterone and stuff to give them this performance edge. Um, and obviously, you know, once the Olympic Committee started, uh, started imposing blood testing to find out who was juicing and who wasn't all of a sudden the East Germans realized like, Oh shit, we have to figure out some new way to train these athletes. So they build this facility underground outside of Berlin and um, the athletes would have to go down there for, I think it was two weeks at a time. There's no natural sunlight. It's all completely underground and the gymnasium and the workout facilities that they had were sealed so they could control how much oxygen was actually being fed into, you know, the environment. That's great. And, and so what they would do is in, because they couldn't use steroids, they were basically depriving the athletes of oxygen and having them work out and they'd have them there hooked up to these machines monitoring that this was total lab rat shit like they'd have them in there they'd have cameras that would watch them uh they'd have microphones the whole thing and they had this guy who used to train down there and he was talking about how like when you were in there like nobody would talk like everybody you just focused on what you were doing and you didn't want to talk about anything because you knew that the government was listening to you inside of this thing. And if they heard you say anything that they didn't like, they could just freaking scoop you up and your family and off you'd go, you know? Uh, but this was what they, cause it was, it, it was trying to simulate um, training at high altitudes. I mean, it was just totally freaking nuts. That um, is nuts, dude. But they, like I say, the Russians, I mean, even up until the past 10, you know, 20 years, they were still doing this shit. And people were complaining. And finally, the Olympic Committee stepped in and said, listen, like, if you can't freaking have your people come here and pass these te- these drug tests, you are not invited to freaking come. And the Russians were like, OK, fine, go fuck yourself. Then we just won't come. Which a lot of people were like, uh, but what about these athletes? Like, you have athletes who are clean who want to compete 
you know, but now they're being denied that opportunity purely because the Russian government just doesn't want to support this. So in a sense, I get it. But in, in my mind, I'm like, you know what? It, it, it's like these Russians who are competing are truly representing the people of Russia. Like not the government of Russia. The government in Russia has no, they want nothing to do with it. Fine. Don't have anything to do with it. But these people are here because they want to compete and they want to represent their country. And the thing is, is that, I mean, dude, they're talking even, I think it was after last night, that whole thing with the team qualification stuff, the Americans were not in first place. It was the Russians who were in first. Oh, no. We've been we've been getting uh, punched in the face a little bit between the men's basketball. Uh, you know, yep. we have NBA all-star team. Well, quasi all-star Quasi, team. quasi, yeah. For sure, yeah. and, and then our did they lo- did they did they lose to France? Yes, they sure did. Oh shit! I did right? not realize that. Yeah, oh, I was watching most of that game, and it was tight. We lost it, and and then the women's soccer team, who was forty three and zero going in. Oh yeah, well, who was it that they lost to? Sweden. Yeah, <laughs> but they bounced back and won like five to zero. And their next match, like against New Zealand, they're like, "All right." I don't know. Reset. I don't know. That's like you know, maybe that's just maybe that's like I don't know. Focus on fucking soccer and not making political statements and taking a knee during the national anthem. Well, and here's the other. <laughs> that's thing. just my. That's just my take. Sorry, not sorry. But but here's what people are saying though. You know, the first thing people out of mouth when we when I've talked with other people about it is like, "Well, everyone's catching up." Yeah, that's true. I'm sure. Okay, but I, I, I would say that's kind of a, a general statement. Uh, on a lot of things. maybe in a lot of things, but I think with something like, um, soccer, I mean, at least for women, I, I, I would mean, probably that's well above the stand. Like, yeah, our men's soccer team has been so far behind, and that's oh, it's ridiculous. The most popular sport. Well, exactly. I mean, when you try to rank us as opposed to all these other countries where these people come from and are competing at the highest levels. I mean, our guys just, dude, Major League Soccer has nothing. And I'm not even a fan. I'm not a huge soccer fan anyway, but has nothing on, you know, these these leagues that they've got over in Europe and stuff. I mean, if you were, if, it's so much newer though. Like these leagues have been going on for over a hundred years. Well, no, I, I get that. I'm just like I say. I mean, if you're if if you're some kid growing up in Italy, or in Africa, or wherever you know, and you want to go play with the greatest players on the planet, you're not going to go to Major League Soccer to do it. Nope, that's where you go to retire. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Look at what's well, his name there. Freaking, what was his nuts? Freaking Beckham. Beckham yeah. was there for a long yeah, time. Absolutely. Vlatan Ibrahimovic was the last guy that was there, and now he's back in the in the Italian league. But yeah, like you know, we're so far behind. And you know, the the thing with this with the soccer leagues in Europe, they have relegation. And what re- relegation is for people is that they call it the table or the standings, right? They don't have an East and a West and whatever. Um, but all the teams that underperform go down to a lower league. So 
to put it. Oh in- yeah, you were talking about that. How you can't like you can't like you can't tank for the draft. That's right. Nope. Right. You, you, there is no. You just go down to a lower league, and then that's it. Right. And then you don't make as much money. You know, you have and you have to work your way back into the Premier League. Sure. So, yeah. So you won't have. T- right. Um, wow. Yeah you, yeah, you won't have teams that are shitty all the time. You know what I mean? So yeah, no, exactly. You don't. You you won't have like a freaking Cleveland Browns. Well, but they're or or a know. Detroit Lions. Yeah, I don't know. Who's Detroit the... Lions. Are they the shittiest team right now? God, I don't know. They seem like they've just sucked for so long. I, I mean, <laughs> think about it. I mean, how many? Think about Bill. how many teams. Think, think about how many years now. Think about how many years. Now. I mean, it was only over the past few years. I mean, they had a decent season maybe a year or two ago. But think about, like, they play every Thanksgiving. And you know as well as I do, JB, because that it was freaking. <laughs> exactly. And, it, and it, a couple of years ago, it was starting to get to the point where people are starting to ask questions about, like, why are we still having the Lions play on Thanksgiving? Because they suck. You know, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the Detroit Lion fans out there, but they have been historically terrible. I mean, you realize how long it's been since that team has won a, won a freaking Super Bowl? They, they haven't won a Super Bowl since it's been the Super Bowl, my friend. They haven't won a freaking world championship since, like, 1954. Dude. <laughs> they, though, under, under the system you're describing with Premier League soccer or whatever. Yeah, they'd never get out of this. this uh, dude, uh, seriously, this, that's what I'm this, saying. Uh, ter- what are the, the Toronto Argonauts would be? Yeah, that's what I'm in- saying. Yes, the Argonauts would be in the NFL. <laughs> they like, they would be in the NFL. What do and, we do? The Canadian right. Football League. Yep, you're like, oh, but we're from Detroit. We don't care. You've been relegated to Canada. You will play your football in Canada now. I mean, think about it. How terrible is that? I just, but they got paid. I think I'd be okay with that. With just go, with your team just sucking? Because, but here's the thing. Are you You talking about with with them going to Canada? Yeah, you get down to a lower league and then they're competitive and then the fans are like, yeah, we're competitive, right? We're not getting our asses beat all the time. And then, and then it gives them something like, well, we got to win so we can go back into the NFL. I don't know. People were like, no, it's not. This is I think it's well, fuck yeah, it, you know, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, the minors in baseball, right? You get you know, minors yeah. work on things, yeah, absolutely, the and then go do the show, or like you know, the one o'clock jazz band versus the two o'clock jazz band versus the three o'clock. I mean, shit, they right. went down all the way to four o'clock. Yeah, no, I mean that was. Uh, I mean, like here in Portland, you've got the Sea Dogs, and you know they're like the farm team for the Red Sox, and the Sea Dogs have a great draw. They really do. I mean, it's a small stadium, you know, but obviously we're in New England, so people are naturally Red Sox fans. Uh, I don't really follow the Red Sox religiously. I follow them very casually. Uh, I will say that I saw my brother's post from yesterday, I think it was, or the day before, 
with the Red Sox pulling out that eighth inning. What was it? A five run eighth inning to beat the freaking Yankees. Wow. That was pretty that was pretty impressive, dude. It was pretty impressive. They were down four to nothing going into the eighth inning. And they crushed the Yankees bullpen and scored five runs in the eighth inning and won the game five to four. Um, so I give them props. But my point being that I mean, even in a small market like Portland, there's a draw there. You know, the tickets are cheap. I actually called. Uh, I got a call this morning, uh, actually this afternoon, from uh, the Maine Mariners, who are like one of the minor league freaking hockey teams. Zamboni. Oh, Zamboni! We're getting dude. Before you know it, it's going to be Zamboni season. No, I know, but you to be the driver. I don't know. I need to look into that. Look, look, I never got to do it last year because the season got shut down. This is Jimbo's dream is to be the Zamboni guy. That's what I'm saying, dude. (laughs) I I need to go seek training. I need to go seek someone to show me the way. How do you become the Zamboni guy? I'm telling you, I would do that shit. I don't even know how much they would pay you, but like, I don't know. If I get like a pretzel and a beer, you know, you're good. I bet they'd still. I bet they'd still let you drive the Zamboni even if you had a beer. That's I mean, that's almost like dotting the I at Ohio State. Yes. You know, like, hey, that should be a fan giveaway, or just even to do a ride along in the Zamboni. In the Zamboni, exactly. If like, you're in seat, you know, a two thirty five, seat four, you're the guest Zamboni rider. Yep, exactly. You don't have to drive it; you'd just be a passenger, just on for the ride. Yeah. But you want to drive. You want to. I be want to the, drive that thing, dude. Yeah, you want to be the guy. There's got to be something therapeutic about it, you know. You know, would be awesome. Is that every time you like the organist would do fucking that would be awesome. Awesome, dude. Give it up for all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I'd have, I'd have the Zambo, I'd have the organ guy play like Armed Forces '72. There you go. You know what I mean? He play like all the all the service songs. And please rise when your service song is played. And then you're driving the Zamboni, standing it, but still standing, like, standing at attention, but still sort of steering. Yeah, one hand on there. <laughs> if anybody knows anybody, make the dream happen. Dude, I'm telling you, I got to talk to my brother because my brother supposedly knows the dude. At he knows Bowden. the guy. Well, know he, guy. he knows the guy who is the Zamboni driver over at Bowdoin College. Yeah, but see, that's the thing. Yeah, you can get some practice reps in, man. That's what I'm saying. Maybe he's the I guy that reps. shows me the way. I need some reps. Look, that's what I'll I'm do, saying. Do whatever it takes. I'll do the maintenance. I'll do the painting. I'll dude, do the sh- sh- dude, just, I'll, ch- I'll change. The, I'll change the oil. I'll do. I'll you know. I'll I'll kick the tires. Whatever. Just like give me the give me some reps. Show me that. Show me the show me the ropes. I need the hours. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so the I mean, other how many people out there know how to drive a fucking Zamboni, dude. It's, I mean, it's, I mean that's a small. What's that? I guarantee you the list is small. That's what I'm saying. You're a diamond in the rough. 
that's a that's a that's a needle in a haystack. You got advertising for Zamboni driver. You don't see that shit. No, nope. that's because you, you know why? Because they put it on Craigslist and no one. No, they don't do that. I guarantee you, they don't <laughs> because because it's dude. It's a subculture. It's a subculture. All the drivers know who all the other drivers it's are. A union? There's a Zamboni union? Maybe, maybe that's a thing. Maybe that's a thing. I mean, you don't see it advertised because when one guy's getting ready to retire, who does he have in his hip pocket? The Apprentice. The Apprentice. Yep. Yes. Unionman. Master Zamboni driver. So speaking of Zamboni, over the weekend. Uh, came out the documentary about Woodstock 99. Mm. Oh, I did not know that. Uh, have you ever seen the documentary in the Fire Festival? Yes. F- yeah, we, we've, we, we've, 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 ta- we've talked about it before. It's a, that yeah. it, it was a complete... It was a crime that was committed. So, I would say, if that's level 10... Woodstock 99 was a level nine. Like, that's how bad it was. It's pretty brutal. Really? Like, oh, yeah. Oh, What's my it God. called? Woodstock 99. <laughs> like, Is that literally what it's called? It's on, it's on HBO. Okay. And I will tell you, man, I did not know, like, uh, just even Wood, Woodstock 94, right? Do you remember that one? That one came yeah. out you know, yeah. right on the tip of grunge. And that one was more like the original Woodstock. Yeah. And then the culture of music. And I didn't know, like, they're calling. Have you ever heard of the term new metal? Yes. Like N-U. N-U metal. Yeah. Who, who would you put in that? To be honest, man, I don't listen to a lot of it. Um I guess maybe, uh, what is it? Ammon Ab, no, was it Ammon Ab, Abareth or Agareth? Um, maybe, shit, I'd have to look up some of these band names. Well, they, they put like corn back then as new metal. Yeah. Yeah. They, they put, I, I, they I would say, yeah. They put Kid Rock as new metal. Okay. Like when Kid Rock first came out. Nah. Uh, they put uh, uh, Limp Biscuit as new metal. Yeah. So back then, yes. Yeah. Yes, back then, right? Um, and I will tell you, they literally blame what happened. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, at the show on Limp Biscuit. What? Yeah. So I'll just give you some of the highlights, but you have okay. to watching of it will be like like i'm not going to go into depth on things yeah okay yeah. So one um this is 1999 they were charging four dollars a bottle for water ah okay okay so think about like and they were not allowing anybody to bring in any food or drink from the outside really yep oh. now then let's 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 take the way back machine to 1999 no cell phones. Yep. They did have ATMs, but you're talking about 300,000 people. Yes. How many ATMs could you possibly have? Now, they do say, oh, well, we have free water. Right? So they did have, like, 
potable water in the in the area. But no one was gonna people were getting pissed and like, oh, like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna uh uh buy this four dollars of water. So then they're like trying to figure out ways to like get more water out of the potable water. And yeah. it was like the it it was in Rome, New York, and it was like the hottest days of the summer in and they were on a tarmac oh my god right so you have all that um it costs money to take showers uh so people were using the potable water to use like to bathe to bathe well then they put all the the piping and stuff by the potable water near the porta potties oh my god so the did the potable water get contaminated? Yes. Oh god. And, and then it started to overflow. So now people and people thought, "Oh, it's mud. Ah, let's play in the it's mud." Sewage. They're playing in fucking sewage, dude. Oh my god. This this is on Friday. This isn't even Wasn't this on, this was the one where like shit burned down, isn't it? Yeah, this is the one where like and it didn't help that fucking Red Hot Chili Peppers played Fire by Jimi Hendrix. (laughs) (laughs) But literally, when Limp Biscuit came on, the first song that they played, and people were pissed off, right? So Fred Durst is doing his own intro to this song, and it was called Break Stuff. Oh, shit. You ever get the feeling when you wake up and you're pissed off at life, or it's your boss? about your situation he's doing all and everyone's like yeah 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 so he just incited a riot oh yeah dude like (laughs) like it's a it's a when you see the reaction of people and then they literally start ripping apart all the infrastructure yeah (laughs) yep (laughs) oh Uh, my god and, and then the the better part to this story is that you know okay so the last three acts of saturday night the last act was Metallica, right? Yeah. Okay. The act before them, second to last, Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. The act before them, Limp Biscuit. And you know who was before Limp Biscuit? Alanis Morissette. No way. <laughs> so, not only, like, so who's pissing off who? Like, I come to this and you have all these, like, Seven Dust, you know. All these bands, and then they put Atlantis Morissette. You don't think that those people weren't ready for fucking Limp Biscuit, who oh, in yeah. 1999 were one of the bigger bands? Oh, yeah, they were huge. Yeah. Huge. Yeah, they were fucking ready for fucking Limp Biscuit, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, all that, um, they didn't have enough medical for the heat and all this other stuff. Like, um, the water was one of the bigger. The, even the artists were like dehydrating and fucking passing out backstage after oh, they God. they gave the show. Um, oh. So so then the the saddest thing about the fire, right? They <laughs> this anti gun gun activist uh, called Pack or something like that. They're like, hey, sign our thing because this is right after Columbine happened months before this. Yeah. So like anti gun stuff. And he's like, yeah, and. And when the Red Hot Chili Peppers, like, take this free candle, so when the Chili Peppers play Under the Bridge, we're all going to light them up. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to light the candles up in honor of all those that have died, you know, Columbine and all this. 
Oh yeah, they lit him up all right. <laughs> and they just started setting shit on fire. Yep. Oh yeah. my god. Yep. And and then of course like, you know, the fire department they couldn't get in because of all the people, it's dark and all this other shit. And the other thing, uh, just like they basically did music 24 hours. So people never had a chance to really rest. Yeah. Like, like they had these DJs go in and then play in, in different hangers. So it was just uh, just going all the time, man. It's it's really sad, like, you know, like how everything unfolded. And then not to and not even to mention, man, like, you know, of course, people thought Woodstock people walking around naked or like women would have, you know, would go shirtless and then guys were just groping them and all the sexual assaults that happened. And yeah, dude, it was just, it was just bad. Oh, you're talking about in 99. In 99. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, I don't know, man. You know, this, this is like, it's like we've talked about so many times on this show. It's like the movie industry. Just let the past be the past, man. Let the past be the past. You know, because I will tell you, I remember when they did, I remember when they did Woodstock in 1994. It was the 25th anniversary of Woodstock. Yep. Yep. And I remember they had all these artists and whatever. And I remember freaking Rollins Band was invited, like they came to perform. And they're up on stage. And, you know, one of the main guys that was behind that whole Woodstock 94 thing was Don Henley from the Eagles. Yep. And, you know, um, freaking Henry Rollins gets up there on the microphone in front of all these like hundreds of thousands of fucking people. And basically he tells all of them, he's like, I know you think, you know, he's like, you know, I know you think you're here for you're here for Woodstock and and it's all peace and love, but I got news for you. Those people who back in 1969, now they all look like Don Henley and they're all cashing in. So you better get your yayas out because when this is over, they're taking home the rest. Oh yeah, dude, this is a this is an artist who's been invited to come perform at this thing. And he sees what the fuck it is. Like, this is a money grab. That's all this is. If you think, like, we're going to go to Woodstock 94, man. We're going to feel the peace and the love. Like, no. They are using the name Woodstock as a marketing tool to basically try to make millions. And I mean, dude, how much money was made from the original Woodstock festival? Probably not much at all. No, but None. No money, no money was made. I mean, when they got came out for this, the 1991 or 1999 one, after everything had to be paid for and whatever, the city of Rome made two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, period for hosting it. Right, because of all the damage, all the clean, having to pay everything. Two, so they put on this huge, like three hundred thousand people were there. And only made two hundred, they two hundred thousand dollars. Well, they made $200,000. And beyond the money facet of this is think about what some of those people who attended this thing, think about 
like you were just talking about, like the sexual assaults and all of that kind of shit happening. Think about what some of these people ended up having to fucking live with for the rest of their lives because of it. You know what I mean? It's absolutely crazy. It's like, and, 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 and I will say this, I will put this out there for the people who are listening to the show. If you know me, if you know JB, we're musicians, love festivals. I love music festivals, man. You know, I love going to that stuff. I love going to the all day, you know, Ozfest, like all that kind of stuff, going around, being with people that enjoy the same kind of music that you enjoy, you know, hearing some great stuff, seeing some great bands. The entire atmosphere is awesome. But music festivals, if not managed properly, can be deadly. <laughs> yes, and that's what happened there as well. Yeah, I mean they can be deadly. It, and it, the, it, the hive mind. Yes, if you and especially if you do not have the. I mean, I will tell you that the the, the closest I ever got to something like that at a music festival was in 1992, summer of 92, I went to the second Lollapalooza festival. The Red Hot Chili Peppers were headlining, and right before them was Ministry. <laughs> and I went to what at the time was called Great Woods. It was an outdoor amphitheater. You know, you had the covered seated section, and up behind it is the lawn, so it's all, like, sawed. And ministry comes out and they start, and this is right at, this is right like at sunset. So it's right at twilight. Sun's going down. The back of this lawn area was lined with this giant wooden fence. I mean, the the planks are probably 10 feet tall, you know, and ministry's playing. I'm standing off like stage right, you know, up in the lawn. And they're playing, and all of a sudden I look across the lawn, and in that twilight, deep blue sky, I can see this stuff flying through the air. I'm like, what in the hell is that? It looked like a swarm of bees, and what I realize it is, is it's pieces of turf that people up in the lawn have dug up and gotten their hands under these chunks of grass and dirt and have started just throwing them across the, the crowd. Mm. And, and as they're playing, the band just keeps playing. This sod starts making its way down into the seats and starts making its way down towards the stage. And next thing you know, there's people who were throwing chunks of this shit up on the stage. And people who are up in the lawn are now going up to this fence that's behind the lawn and pulling these planks down. And because, I mean, let's be honest, people, this is a crowd, you know, this is a, a crowd of, you know, probably 50,000 people who are there. And a wooden fence doesn't stand anything against a crowd of 50,000 people. Nope. And so people start pulling this shit down. And, you know, you've got people who've brought like blankets and sheets and, you know, stuff like this to come sit on up on the lawn. Well, this stuff just became the means to start the kindling. And they start setting these planks on fire and all around the lawn are these 
giant bonfires burning now. And people, the ministry's still playing. Like, they're still doing their thing. And now you have huge mobs of people, probably 200 people, who are now just circling these giant bonfires like freaking Apaches or something. You know, doing the freaking Indian, freaking running around this thing. Dude, there was not a fucking security officer in sight. I mean, as soon as this stuff started really getting out of control, every security person in that place is like, we're out of here. Deuces. Uh, yeah, like, I can't fucking stop these people from doing this shit. And that's and the that, same thing happened. They had to bring in the state police. Yeah. Man, well, not even dude, control, manage. Well, dude, I will tell you that what what stopped that crazy shit at Lollapalooza that year was Perry Farrell. He actually came out on stage. He actually came out on stage and got on the microphone when ministry was because ministry had to eventually cut their set because all their shit's covered in fucking dirt. All this stuff's all over the stage. And Perry Farrell finally comes out and he basically looks out at the audience. He's like, put those fucking fires out right now. He was like, if you don't put those fires out right now, the chili peppers are not coming out here to play and you'll go home. Jeez, my dad just walked in. No <laughs> shit, dude. That's what it was like. I mean, obviously, everybody was there to see the chilies. You know what I mean? Like, oh, shit. And so every they put the fucking fires out. It was probably a good 45 minutes, you know, down between the chilies, you know, before the chilies actually came out, made sure that all this stuff had been put out. Security came back out. I remember when the whole thing was all said and done, I'm walking, I'm walking out, you know, you have these big floodlights that come on that shine out over the lawn and dude, they're just these giant piles of turf and just like smoldering shit. Like that people have gone around and picked up these clumps of fucking dirt and just thrown them on the pile, you know, whatever. Believe me, the next year that Lollapalooza came down, they were not invited back to great woods. Yeah. I mean, I'd have no idea how much damage was, 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 you know, incurred, you know, there that's that night. But I, I mean, it was enough that Great Woods is like, those guys aren't ever coming back here again. No way. And and that sucked as a fan, because when I went to the next two years, the third and fourth year of Lollapalooza, I had to drive all the way to freaking Rhode Island. Because that was the closest that they were coming. And that was at um, it was a naval air station that had been shut down. I can't remember. King's like Kingsford or something like that. Um, Naval air station that was down there. And like you say, now here we are, it's like a big fucking tarmac. And you know, that definitely was not as nice as going great woods was a beautiful facility. It was an awesome facility. And now all of a sudden you're just like out in this field somewhere, you know, with Porta Johns and shit. So anyway, um, first of all, for the folks who are out there, I know that we missed um, we missed YouTube Thursday last week, but I'm going to drop this on you, new YouTube Thursday. Check out the real spark. Have you seen this dude? No. Oh my god, he's hilarious, dude. He's this comedian. He's this black guy, and he basically does his his shtick so far anyway on YouTube is like it's a it's a spoof. 
on like uh, news interviews. So they'll have this thing in intro, like, oh, the workers at the Frito-Lay factory have walked off the job and whatever. And it cuts to an interview with him. Like he's one of the guys who just walked off the job. And his shit is freaking hilarious. <laughs> like giving these interviews as if he's talking to a news correspondent. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh my God, dude. I will post one of these things on, on the, the page. It is so funny. Definitely check it out. <clears throat> yeah. What do you got for what do you got for New Music Monday? So uh before I had hinted at it before in previous, but um Two weekends ago was the uh, record day. You okay. Yeah, no. like record store day. Okay. So all the record stores have a record store day, and then they <clears throat> new vinyl comes out, old vinyl, old releases, whatever. Right. And uh, the Foo Fighters did uh, their release is called DGs. Hmm. And and. Side A, the Foo Fighters cover the Bee Gees. Really? Yes, dude. And nice. They're they're kind of like you know straight covers, but kind of like there's some heavy guitars in there. Sure. And then side B is they release Foo Fighters songs, um, and there's five songs on that. But the whole thing is really about them being the Bee Gees. Okay, it's, it's pretty fucking good, man. Like <laughs> they they do night fever and shadow dancing more than a woman. Fucking, you should. Damn, dude. Really? Yes, dude. And they the they have a video out uh, of them doing you should be dancing, and they're dressed in the fucking seventies, man. Dude, and what's that's cool awesome. is the drummer. Um, uh, he, fuck, he used to be the drummer for Alanis Morissette, uh, Taylor. Yep. I don't know his last name. He gets to sing uh, one of the songs, too. Really? Um, yeah. He does shadow dancing. Wow. But dude, it's pretty badass, man. I, That's cool. Yeah. I mean, dude, yeah. It's it's well well worth the checking out. Uh, the Foo Fighters, DGs. Yeah, mine is, uh, is, is not a specific album but an artist that i have heard from time to time and i know had a couple you know singles that went pretty big uh but i had never really intently listened to them but my kids have always been huge fans and saturday night we did a cookout and i was hanging out with them having drinks and like you know listening to tunes and stuff and they came on um cage the elephant Never heard of them. You've never heard this band? Oh, no. dude. Yeah. You check out. And, and the thing that totally. I'm listening to them. And all of a sudden I was like. God, man, what an huge. What an, at least in my eyes. Listening to them. I was like, what a huge influence. Beck. Has to have been on these guys. And it, it, it really just got me thinking like. Like with Beck, I like I can't even think of the last thing he ever did, and he was huge. I mean, and an absolute innovator, you know. 
You still with me? JB, JB, JB. JB, JB, JB. Oh. Yeah, All Beck's, right. Beck's last album, well, I believe is in like 2019. And that's the thing, is that I know that he has done stuff, but it definitely is, it, it, and maybe, and I think part of it is just, I think that part of it is just the fact that, you know, he was such an innovator back when he first came out. Um. And so many people have been, so many other artists over the years have been so deeply influenced by him um, that, I mean, the stuff that he's done now, I, I, I don't think that it has, has gained the level of notoriety that his older material did just because back when he put that original stuff out, it was so new and it was so innovative. But the dude is a freaking musical genius. Oh yeah, and... everybody was just the stoner head. Yeah, no, no, exactly, exactly. You know, loser and all that stuff. Like, you know, people were like, "Oh man, this is a stupid song," you know, whatever. But dude, the, the he has an insane musical mind. Um, and again, like I say, it one check out Cage the Elephant. I'll I'll post some stuff on the page, and for folks who are out there, definitely check them out if you have not. It's if you're into that, if you're into that kind of Beck thing, uh, they're definitely a band worth giving a listen. So, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, for sure, faux show, faux show. Faux show. Yeah. Hey, for the folks who are out there checking out the show, once again, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, it's been a crazy summer. Haven't been able, you know, I know we haven't been getting episodes out as regularly as we as we like to, but we're still freaking. We're doing what we can. Life gets crazy sometimes. Um, and like I say, uh, Thursday, YouTube Thursday, check out uh, The Real Spark. That shit is funny as hell. Um, and uh, we'll be pulling out another YouTube Thursday, seeing what uh, ridiculous things we can find on the intertubes, the, um, <laughs> the, the interwaves. And uh, as usual, tell your family, tell your friends, and we'll be talking to you on Thursday. Later, man. Late.